Art Pop Talk is excited to announce that the presenting sponsor of this podcast is Zencaster. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process quick and painless, the way it should be. So you guys have heard me talk about that when I edit our episodes, I always want it to be the best listening experience for you all. You know that I am obsessed with sound quality. I make it a top priority and Zencaster provides amazing sound quality and HD video. Not only does it make the editing process literally so easy for me, it is the most user-friendly platform that we've used to record. Gianna and I have been using Zencaster even before they became a sponsor of this podcast because it is so accessible and that is what APT is all about. And it is the easiest platform for all of our guests to join as well. There is nothing to download. They just click the link that I send them and we get recording with no issues. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-productions in the tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. We want you to have the same easy experience as we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. So if you go to zencaster.com pricing and enter promo code artpoptalk0, you'll get 30% off your first three months. Zencaster.com, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com slash pricing, promo code artpoptalk0. It is time to share your story. Hello, hello, and welcome to Sad Girl Central Station. I'm Bianca. And I'm Gianna. Bianca, how you doing? Not well, bitch. Starting off on a real high note here, not well. But today I am hoping that you and the art Pop-Tarts will be able to help me out for this week. Bianca, that is exactly what we are all here for. You know we've arrived at Sad Girl Central Station before, and there's no doubt that we will stop there again in the future. But for now, let's try to art pop talk our way around Sad Girl Town. Hello, everyone. Before we begin, I just wanted to offer a trigger warning for mental health before we get into today's episode. That is going to be what this episode is about today, along with career notes, job searching, and the mental toll that that is taking on me in particular. So just wanted to offer that before we get started. Hello, everybody. Um, I just want to preface to, I feel like I have some like sexy phlegm going on today. <laughs> and it's truly just because it's 730 in the goddamn morning. <laughs> See, I feel like my voice is not sexy. It's like the cry voice because I've just been crying so much that my voice is is hoarse and gross. I it's- think, honestly, I think our sense of humor is just like broken at this point too. I'm like, like wow, my voice sounds so funny. Oh my I'm god, I've been crying, crying so much. much. <laughs> 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 Yuppers, that's where we're at. 
Oh my gosh, that truly, Bianca, I know that you have this picture later on down in the script of Rachel Green, like, applying for jobs. She's like, you and your fear. (laughs) In my head, all I can hear is, you're a funny guy, Chandler. (laughs) Like, her, her voice, I feel like that's how I'm just approaching everything in Sad Girl Town today. Well, you know what? I think we have the fear a little bit because we are doing this episode. We're not too scared to go for it. (laughs) I'm too afraid. (laughs) So, um, Bianca and everybody, we've decided to move forward with today's episode um, in a little bit of a different direction uh, than originally planned. So we will get into everything we're going to talk about today here in a second, but um, here are kind of little highlights of what's going on and what we were originally going to do. So um, we were going to talk about me going to Greece. I am leaving tomorrow, (laughs) but Bianca and I were talking last night about APT and just about how it's a medium of flexibility. You know, I was just telling Bianca that we don't have a lot of control in almost literally every other facet of our daily lives. But Art Pop Talk is like the one medium that we do have control over. And we want it to reflect what is going on in our life and have it be that guide for us. So we decided to switch things up today, and we know that you guys literally won't mind because I think you love it when we also go rogue, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, speaking to your point, John, about how we want APT to function as a reflection of honesty and how we are feeling and how we are seeing the world in a present moment, you have spoken before about the struggles you were going through last year and how you continue to navigate those circumstances as they're part of your everyday life. But to start us off, can you talk a little bit about the idea of faking it that you've pushed through on the show? And I think it's important, you know, we always want to put our best foot forward for all of the listeners because we want to be here for you as much as you are here for us. Um, And I think that this is really going to help us guide how our conversation moves forward in terms of putting on a brave face and how women in particular feel like they must do that in many aspects of their life. Like women are always just constantly pushing through at every level. Yeah, for sure. And I think like just kind of falling trapped to that line of thinking, I I feel as though in the beginning, honestly, APT just kind of became an extension of that because this is something that Bianca and I love. It's something that we consider to be our work. And I don't like referring to APT as a side hustle either because I feel like that's super demeaning to the work that we do just because I don't make my primary like living off of it. So in the start of APT2, I think, you know, we were really trying to navigate what we wanted to do with this platform, but more importantly, like what we felt like we got from other platforms, what we felt like we didn't, what was important to us. And that big Mm -hmm. thing was consistency. We wanted to make sure that we were providing you guys with an episode once 
every week. And if we were going to take a week off, um, that was like a very serious discussion. I do not talk about it that much on the podcast because it is still very fresh and I am starting to get more comfortable talking about it. But um, our pop talk started like right at the cusp of graduation and for everybody, 2020 spring was the pandemic, but 2020 spring for me was when I got diagnosed with chronic illness. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that is also the time I started our pop talk. And yeah. so I am going to just like take a minute for like snaps for Gianna because that's fucking a lot. <laughs> like, snaps for Gianna. I'm like, snapping in the mic and I don't care because it's my show. <laughs> Sorry, that was annoying. <laughs> what are we at a poetry reading? Like what is this sob story? <laughs> Poetry. 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 A plus, plus, plus. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We are broken for sure. (laughs) A compass and the stock and this thing that tells time. Um, And even when I just kind of go back and listen to some episodes and even in listening to those episodes in the moment, I can just very much tell that I'm like not even trying. Like I can't even get through chitty chatty because mentally I'm just very much not in a good place. Um, this is also the time when I was unemployed for three months after graduation and had to move back home. And so that was just completely draining and yeah, it's just not fun. But also it was either that or I was in complete physical pain. So um, it's just not fun. And at the time, I, you know, I wish that um, I would have taken it upon myself to not put my, to not put pressure on myself for something like Art Pop Talk, which is a platform that I created that I have control over. And have a listener base of people who are very genuine and want to listen to a podcast that is genuine and they want that honesty and transparency. And so, you know, I hope in the future to be able to talk about chronic pain more. That's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, But I don't want us to bullshit through an episode anymore. I don't want us to bullshit chitty chatty. If one of us is not in a good mood, or if I am in pain that day, perhaps, I might just tell you guys, like, I'm in a much better place pain wise. I have a job now. Like I know that in past episodes, like guys, I've had four different jobs in the pandemic. And it's fun to joke about. And if it is a running joke that you guys have picked up on, but um, that's it's also like seriously no joke at the same time. Like it's very difficult. So I do not want us to fake it through an episode. And so when Bianca was talking about this last night, I was just like, it does not feel right to do a happy, cheery episode about Gianna going to Greece. (laughs) Like that's still fine. That's still going to happen. And I'm going to talk to you guys about my trip when I get back and we can talk about those fun things. Um, But more things right now are pressing in the moment. And I don't want to put Bianca through what I put myself through. You know what I mean? And I was telling Jenna last night, I just really appreciate that. And, you know, whenever we're talking, 
I felt a certain sense of guilt because I knew that Gianna had pushed through so much whenever we were first getting off the ground, when we had really built up a listener base. And it was hard to talk about not being consistent with you guys when that is what we had built so much of the startup of APT round. And Gianna really just blew me away with all of her strength and pushing through every single episode to give that to you guys. And while that's still an incredible and amazing thing that she did, now I'm feeling <laughs> guilty for being in a a similar situation, but, a, you know, obviously a different place than Gianna was dealing with different types of things, but mentally being in a similar situation and it's like we were talking last night. I don't know. Is it my turn to kind of push through these circumstances? How should we navigate this? And Gianna was just an incredible partner and co-host and said, you know what? Let's break it down. Let's really talk about this because it is our platform. <laughs> we made APT. And although we love the listeners and you guys are as much a part of this show as we are, we do have the f flexibility to talk about what we want and we're best when we're authentic and that's what we're trying to work through today but still keep the same type of content obviously we're going to get into that it is still very much art related and it is going to be relatable to a lot of the art pop tarts but nevertheless it does feel like somewhat of a departure because Gianna has spent so much of the first year of APT doing that every single week for the episode and I just wrote in our script, you might notice that our script is maybe quite jumbled today. It might be a different, is a different type of layout than the usual. And I just wrote, how the turntables, <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly how I'm feeling. They have turned quite quickly. I feel like in my head, the exact scene from Friends, right? Put Gianna saying, I put this little picture here where Rachel in one scene says, you have no idea how good it feels to never make coffee for someone again. It's the episode where Rachel quits and then it cuts to her in the next scene having to learn how to make coffee for her new boss. And the difference here is that I have no boss and no prospects. <laughs> And then I just wrote, isn't that funny? <laughs> and it's just wild because in my head, I feel as though it was last week where I was saying, oh, isn't it interesting how I may never work for a museum again? I'm out of a job trying to be grateful for the situation that I'm in, trying to turn, you know, lemons into lemonade here. It's great that I have a little bit of time off, not by choice, but I'm going to take what I can get. Fuck that. <laughs> that is that mentality has not been working. And I definitely was trying to feel that gratitude a few weeks ago when I was talking about ending my job at the museum, but realizing that that's not really where I want to be. I was just trying to make better circumstances out of the one I was in. And uh, now that that got us here. <laughs> So, Bianca, just walk us through it, like start to finish, wherever the beginning is, <laughs> wherever we are today. Here's the thing. I don't want this episode to just sound like I'm complaining because that doesn't 
feel we all need to complain every now and then. You know, we all have that right to complain about what's bothering us. I don't want this to come across as though I'm just like being whiny and naggy and complaining to the art pop tarts. But one, I want to talk about these frustrations because like Gianna said, this is our platform and we want to be honest with you guys about how I'm doing. Two, I think a lot of people are going through very similar frustrations, either trying to find a job or are working through a career change. So many people right now are making that transition in their lives from one industry to the other, really taking in what they want out of a job search. And that is the happy part of this situation. What media coverage and Instagram and podcasts and everyone in that circle isn't talking about is how miserable making that chain change actually is. Three, no part of this job hunt is fun. And I don't necessarily think that our pop talk is going to change that. Like with one episode, we are not going to change the lives and the job market and, you know, but I know that I might feel better hearing from someone else that they're not alone in just feeling so completely broken down and stripped away by the way that this is, the system is working. This is not a new concept. Gianna and I are extremely aware that employment systems are racist and sexist and ageist and ableist and all bullshit for so many people. And just like every other system and institution that we talk about here on this podcast, but at this moment, that is what I am going through. That is what I am experiencing. So we are going to talk about it right after this break. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem, historically, it's been reserved for the ultra wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. If you know us, one, you know that your two Italian co-hosts come from a wine-loving and wine-making family. And two, you know that making smart financial decisions, especially for women, is really important to how we think about money on this podcast. I was amazed at how easy it was to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. Getting into investing or growing your portfolio can be intimidating when you're new to the game. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years, with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be as robust as your favorite red. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to zen.ai slash artpoptalk to receive two months of fee-free investing. Be sure to mention that artpoptalk is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Jenna, this is not another ad, but... I want to shout out Bumble BFF because I hung out with some truly amazing women from Bumble BFF last night. And yesterday during the day, I had pretty much a breakdown with Gianna on the phone. Um, 
And then I went to a friend's house for dinner and wine last night. And let me tell you, Bumble BFF has truly brought the most amazing women into my life. And they were just so supportive. And this is maybe the second or third time I've hung out with some of them. And just being able to talk to them like I'm talking to the listeners right now really lifted my spirits and made me feel valuable for the first time in a long time. And Bumble BFF really has also been an amazing networking tool. And just in terms of not necessarily networking in terms of, oh, I work at this institution, let me see who I can talk to and things like that. Not trying to necessarily get an in at any of these women's places of work, but just in terms of offering resume help, offering interview practices, offering tips on how to land a job or search for a job. These women are truly so incredible and they were so helpful last night. And it's actually for me, Jen, I don't know if you've switched any to any of the other modes on Bumble, but for me, Bumble BFF has actually been more helpful in terms of job and career advice or networking than the Bumble Biz mode has been for me. When I entered the Bumble Biz mode, you know, it's for networking, but I did not see one single woman on the Bumble Biz <laughs> mode. Not not a one. And it's it's perfectly fine, but it's mostly men being like, oh yeah, I'm working on my music looking for producer here in Boston. It's like we are not. <laughs> gonna network you know interesting so that to say last night I feel is one of the first times where the concept of kind of women supporting women was a very real and tangible thing that didn't feel like a phrase for commercialism you know what I mean and although I have so many incredible women in my life I have amazing family and friends this was I mean not that they're strangers anymore, but we have not hung out very often. We, you know, we have not known each other for a very long time. And to feel supported in that way by a group of women here in Boston who are working so hard in their careers and a few of them just started new jobs. They, some of them have recently moved to Boston for jobs. It just, it it was just really amazing and really lifted my spirits from where I was at last time I talked to Gianna yesterday. Well, I think that that is so great for a lot of different reasons. And I also feel like maybe part of the reason why that maybe hits so different is because you are finding like a community of women Mm -hmm. where you live. (laughs) Like, I can be as supportive as I want, but the reality is, is I'm not there like with Mm -hmm. you. And, you know, people need people real people and there's nothing wrong with not lizard people not lizard people or virtual people um you need real people and it's really hard moving to um a new place not knowing anyone and i know that you're going to talk about this in a second but um about really why you move to boston and also i think like I am really interested and I really love talking just about like partnered relationships and just being really transparent about like those operations just because Mm -hmm. I don't know, partnerships are really hard. Yeah. And also like adult friendships are just really hard. And so 
I think like making that transition with your partner it's it's just like a whole other beast and like <laughs> I don't know like yeah. it's all fine it can be great but it's also just like it's hard yeah yeah so we found out in early September that Andrew got his job in Boston so since September I have been applying for jobs not necessarily at the same rate at first because I was still employed at that time but you know, since September, it has been a steady stream of applications until maybe Thanksgiving or so when I really kind of went to town on them. And, you know, last June, we talked with Onyx Montez about how we feel the lifespan of an art historian is that you major in art history and then eventually you can't sustain it and you move on to something else. Now that I am in that moving on stage, it by far has been the hardest part of all of this, which may seem obvious, I suppose, but the transition is taking a much harder toll on me than I thought it was going to. At first, I started out really positively, knowing that my time in the museum world was coming to a close. I don't necessarily feel comfortable in the museum world anymore. I am looking for an opportunity that is going to allow me to grow in a in a career. And I I can't remember if we've talked about this on the show or not or just with you, Gianna, but I want to get promoted at some point in my life. And I didn't know that that I didn't know it when I was studying art history when I entered the job force that if I stayed in museums, that was not going to be a possibility for me. There is not a lot of upward mobility in the museum realm. Of course, we've talked about this. You guys know I do not have a PhD. I'm not planning on getting a PhD in art history at that point. But there would be very, even if I did, there would be so little opportunity to move upward in the museum realm. And taking a look at the past two years at my job in a museum, knowing that's not where I want to stay really figuring out how we want to proceed with a long-term career, that's just not where I want to be anymore. I I want the opportunity to grow and do other things. And the stagnant placement of someone who studied art history who doesn't have a PhD is just not what I want. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're listening to this, I want you to know that you don't have to feel guilty about that. And we, again, that's another concept that we've talked about before is in the art world, being so incredibly grateful for what you have been given, being grateful for that unpaid internship, being grateful for your job that undervalues you either in the workforce, monetarily, so on and so forth. And for a long time, I felt guilty about that. You know, that my opportunity at the museum was such a great opportunity. I should take it and be so grateful and all this stuff. And, and while I while I am, you know, my job brought me to Andrew, it brought me here to Boston. It has given me a lot. There have been so many silver linings about my job, working remotely, being able to do APT with Gianna. I am, I don't have to be grateful that, you know, it didn't give me certain things, which now I'm looking for in another field. So <laughs> I am at this point where I'm applying for a lot of different things. And 
I'm getting so desperate that yes, I am applying for jobs at museums. Haven't gotten any responses from there either. So it's like, you know, people might think, why don't you just, if you're having so much trouble, why don't you just try to apply for museum positions? Why don't you just try to apply because for stuff in your field? Because it's fucking mentally draining. It is, it is not easy. Like, oh my God, I hate that so much. And when you're just constantly feeling like rejected, I also just want to like, when that point comes when like you do get offered a job, it's like this hold that they also have on you that's like I'm finally telling you yes like somebody wants you like also how are you gonna say no to that too right it's right it's just a totally like abusive relationship and to the fact that you have to spend so much time and energy and like let's all be real you have to fake it so hard in an interview you have to put on a good face like Mm -hmm. Bianca was just telling me about you know one of um, like I think it was like a job recruiter. It wasn't even like mm-hmm. an interview. You, she didn't show up for your meeting. And right. then you have to hop on with her the next day and be like, oh no, it's fine. And right. you have to be the bigger person. Like it's not fine. And it's not easy. The fact that yeah. we have to fake it, sit through, put on a good face. I mean, you are just left totally and completely exhausted after that and to apply for a job that you know you're not gonna get oh my gosh I can just I feel that I know that yeah yeah it's horrible yeah and exactly museums do not want me and that is okay because I don't necessarily want them back but even so you get in this mode where it's like I'm just gonna apply and people around town they tell you or you know colleagues tell you they people try to give you advice oh why don't you just apply at the MFA great I'll get right on that shut the fuck up you know it's it's natural it's natural to to give advice that you're comfortable giving you know that is comfortable for people to offer it is just excruciating to again, be so stripped down where it's like, this is the level that I'm at. I don't even want this job. I don't agree with this institution's practices, but I'm so desperate. And this is a thing that I have at one point in my life felt comfort in. I'll just see where it goes. And you know what? turns out it goes nowhere because museums have no interest in hiring me because I don't have a PhD. When I left my job or, you know, my job came to an end. I didn't choose to leave. My two-year kind of contract was up. I obviously don't live in that location anymore. It makes sense. But when my position ended, my former colleagues were saying to me, oh my gosh, the job market is so great right now. Everyone is hiring. You're going to find something so soon. And while that may be true, that piece of advice, again, is so natural for people to offer. And I'm by no means saying I'm unappreciative for the people who are putting effort into me, telling me it's going to be okay, giving me advice, because I, I do appreciate that. And, and it it does mean that they care. The people who give me that advice means they care. But it's almost like <laughs> Women's Art Wednesday is going to laugh at me, but it's it reminds me of last week when they were like, okay, this is an easy question. And then <laughs> we get it wrong. Like, and it's like, oh, everyone is hiring. Except you can't find a job. <laughs> no, right. It's like they're just dangling like the bait in front of me and then they just take it away. <laughs> right. So the only piece of advice 
I, I suppose I don't even know if this is advice, just, you know, piece of goodwill is the sentiment that everyone is hiring right now. Surely you'll get a job at some point. And it's like, mm, surely I will, <laughs> you know, but that has yet to be seen. And I have a certain skill set and an educational background. And while I might not be looking in museums specifically coming from art history, I have a gamut of strong transferable skills that I know will fit into another role outside of museums. All that being said, I am cracking and I feel like I am resulting back to this mindset of just take what you can get, just take what you can get, because that is what the art world has kind of instilled in me. So while I know in my head, you have so many projects that you have worked on that aren't your thesis, I am starting to feel so desperate and everyone keeps saying, everyone's hiring, everyone's hiring. Well, I I am just trying to apply for anything and everything that things I don't even want or that I know wouldn't make me happy or that I know wouldn't offer me the things that I just said I wanted out of a career. And at this point, I just, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's well over 200 applications. I feel like it might be over 300 applications that I've put in at this time. And that, (laughs) that number and receiving rejection after rejection, you know, it it never feels good for anyone. It, and there are so many people who go through this all the time, but we've just accepted it as that's part that's part of the deal. You know, when you're looking for a new job, that's part of the deal. You're going to get far more no's than you are yeses. It's just wearing on me the constant <laughs> rejection. I've been on seven interviews in this past week alone. I mean, that's what my weeks are looking like. It's just interview prep, interview prep, interview prep, one thing after the other, seven interviews in this one week. And when you get to that stage, you put in so many applications. A lot of the times it's a no, but when you get that glimmer of a yes, we'd like to interview you, you want to feel good for a second, but I'm also starting to guard myself and it's hard for me to get excited about those yeses that people want to give me. Even the yeses that I'm getting aren't necessarily the ones that were maybe a top priority for me. Like if I applied for an application, one that I really feel I would be an amazing person for this job, but that those aren't the interviews that I'm getting most of the time. It's kind of the ones that I'm like less excited about. And I was talking to a few friends about this and Gianna, I want to get your take on it too. Because what I am starting to get that has been a lot more common is this idea of, oh, you're such a creative person. I don't think you would be right for this role. And (laughs) I just, okay. Ooh, take a breath. When I am in interviews, I am picking up on the same kind of idea where the person interviewing me will say, oh my gosh, you're such a creative person. Are you sure you want to give that up to be in this role? Or you're, you seem like such a creative person. Why do you want to switch to marketing? Oh, you're such a creative person. I don't think that you'll fit in here. As if creativity is non-existent in something that doesn't reside in an art space. And the thing that's really 
getting me about that is on the job descriptions, must have a creative mindset, must be a creative person, looking for someone with a creative ability to do this, would love a creative person to bring new ideas and projects to the table. That is where my creativity lies. And I know that it is my responsibility as the person presenting my skill set to an interviewer to say, you know, yes, I have a creative background, but this is how my creative skills can be used to manage this project or so and so, you know, so on and so forth. What I'm getting frustrated by is the notion that my creative background in art history to other people is meaning studio work. Yes, I can talk through that and explain with people, you know, my skill set lies here, here, and here, so on and so forth. I can spin my quote unquote creative background to work to my advantage. However, I find it wildly fascinating that my background was in art history for a reason. I went into art history because I am not the creator. I am the researcher. I am the analyst. I am the person who likes to do the looking not the person who likes to do the creating. And so there's this very interesting consensus among the people who are interviewing me that my background in art or at an art museum means that I am this kind of all-encompassing creator when my skill set is different. And yes, again, I am using that to my advantage. We can talk through that. I have a responsibility to share what's actually happening with the person who is interviewing me. But nonetheless, the job description is like, oh, you're such a creative person. You're not right for this role. And so, you know, I was kind of thinking, Gianna, we should maybe talk about how that seems to be an interesting detriment right now. And you have a little story about something kind of similar. I don't know if you want to share. You know, the funny thing about this situation that you are alluding to is because that was for a design coordinator job. That was Mm -hmm. for an art (laughs) job. Oh my God. I, where to begin with this one? So, um, I applied for a job like a year ago at the anthropology in Oklahoma city. And, um, a girlfriend of mine, Um, actually works for that anthropology and um, she's actually moving to Seattle to continue to work for this company. And um, I have some serious qualms with um, anthropology as a company with it being like, you know, just like a religious affiliated company, but whatever, like this was a job opening that had something to do with art. And it was also get this sculptural, like I would be like building really elaborate sets for storefronts, something that is super creative. Let's be real, like the anthropology store works for a reason. It's because it's cute. And in my interview, they actually put me through a lot. It wasn't, um, it was kind of a pretty rigorous interview. I met with two women first who worked in the store. And then I had a different interview with um, a gentleman who was kind of like, um, he was a design coordinator, but almost like for um, like the entire anthropology like franchise. It seemed like it, I think he worked for a store, but he had been with the company for such a long time that he gets to kind of help make decisions about what the stores actually create. So a question that I got and how that works is you actually don't have a lot of creative freedom. Like you have to make what, you know, we tell you to make. 
And that was truly, honestly, 100% fine with me. I just wanted, it was a job, you know, that I would kind of be working by myself. I, at the time, believed that I was still working at assisted living community with people with dementia. Not up my alley. That was a hard, hard job that I was not equipped for and did not have training for. So I could work by myself. I explicitly and just kept repeating that, like, I'm really just looking to, you know, get my hands dirty and just be able to make things. Here are some examples of me, like, doing commissions for other people. Like, I am very comfortable with making artwork for other purposes. But also, let me tell you why I'm interested in the store concept that anthropology has created. So here I am talking about things um, also with these two women about um, just creating interdisciplinary spaces, creating spaces that are like inclusive, which also let's be real is like, even some bullshit in itself, because anthropology like is really not in an in- inclusive storefront, like just with the price point alone. But I think there is truth to um, the way that art is inviting and how that brings people in and how visually the space is inclusive, like company politics wise and price range wise and diversity wise, it's not. And then with my part two interview, I remember talking to this guy over Zoom, a really casual conversation. Um, He was even working on a project with cyanotypes, which is basically like prints found in nature where you print with the sun. I had just written a piece at 21C Museum Hotel about an exhibition on cyanotypes and I'm a printmaker, like all really good talking points. And then we had a really chill conversation about um, art pop talk. And he was telling me about like horror. And I was telling him about like these episodes that we've done on Halloween and monster theory. And like, what's your favorite horror movie? Just having a casual conversation. Um, I would also just like to bring up that um, a woman who is the interviewee, I think I'm very good at turning on and off my switch, which is something that sucks, but it's something that I've had to learn how to do. I am just very, very aware of people's social skills, what their comfortability is, how are they talking and how do I reciprocate that to make them feel more comfortable with me? Like I am painfully aware of that. So especially in a place like anthropology that is a storefront that has a more chill dynamic, um, I was very, very careful in to make sure that I was like also being kind of funny and smiley. And, you know, I didn't wear a blazer in my interview. I wore like a super trendy dress. And then, you know, long story short, I didn't get this job. And because a girlfriend of mine works there, you know, afterwards, I kind of met up with her. And I was like, do you have any inside scoop? Because I asked for feedback. And of course, I didn't get that from them. And they told her, that they thought that I was too serious. And that just like fucked with me. It just really fucked with me. That was the most unhelpful thing ever. Like, I wish I just didn't know. And then I didn't ask because I know that that's bullshit. What really happened is even with me being minutely aware of their social practices, how to respond to that, 
dress in a way that is very trendy, less professional, you know, talk about my practices and doing commission work. Um, what really happened was my diction and my language and talking about art concepts that I find interesting went over their head. They did not understand the concepts that I was talking about. And that was also kind of a hard pill for me to swallow because I think that I would have perhaps gotten that job and some other jobs, like this is not an isolating situation, if I were to have dumbed myself down. And that's an interesting part of the job market that I feel as though we don't talk about a lot. I feel like I've been caught in between a rock and a hard place when it comes to applying for jobs because I am either just underqualified or I'm too serious or um, I'm overqualified. And that's been a thing that has been explicitly communicated to me is that you are overqualified for this position. I don't know what to do with that. It's right. It's because... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, no. It's just like, I'm just, I'm at a loss for words. (laughs) Yeah, that is something that I have also started to experience in a few interviews. It it hasn't happened too much, thankfully, but there was a a role that I had asked to, to interview for, and I actually thought I would be a fantastic match for this position. And the, you know, the HR manager, the first round, they they call me and we're talking on the phone and he really, I, I don't use this term lightly, but he was gaslighting the hell out of this interview and was, you know, we're talking through my experience. He asked me why I'm interested in this job. We have to go through the whole thing of why I'm switching realms. I am not switching skill sets. I am looking for a job in a different place with my applied skill set. And so I'm talking about that, talking about my my experience in certain projects that would match this role well. He starts talking to me, uh, you know, he asked me about my salary range. I offer him my salary range that has been comparable with every other institution that I'm applying for. Many institutions have not had a problem with my salary range that I'm asking for. And... He says, well, you know, this position really requires this, this, and this. I'm like, you know, we just talked about that. We just talked about how my experience is comparable to those things. And he's like, so, you know, you're really looking at the the very, very bottom of this salary range that we're offering, which is lower than the range that I proposed that's comparable with other institutions who are interviewing me. So... Because of my switching fields, people, and really it's it's kind of been men, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, the the men interviewing me have a choice, I guess, in in what their company is offering in the salary range. I'm not trying to make that, you know, wide assumption, but it is notable that they're telling me because I am looking for a job in a different place that my salary is bumped lower significantly significantly i mean it is we're looking not higher than what i was making at the trout gallery and given my years of grown experience i should be moving upward in salary not staying at the same type of level but because i'm transferring fields and that's what they kind of see it as 
it's a complete departure and I'm entering at a new level, like intern level, <laughs> that, you know, I'm not worthy of this, this pay grade. So, you know, I do just feel like, and in my situation too, it's just like truly the job interview game is like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And when mm-hmm. I got this note of being serious, like, that really threw me off for my next interview. And I was, I remember I was applying for um, a museum position and I hung up the phone and just cried because I Mm -hmm. was like, they can't see me. They can't see my face. This is just a phone call. And I hate Mm -hmm. having interviews that are just a phone call. And I was being too, too funny. And you just Mm -hmm. totally get in, in such your head about it. And so, I mean... I just think also, like, this episode was not about, like, giving helpful advice. <laughs> this episode yeah. was about just, like, relaying our experiences. So maybe there wasn't something that was super tangible or constructive that came out of this. But I hope that you guys are – it's just nice to be able to have a moment where you can be like, oh, my God, I experienced that. And you can just commiserate on your own end and not have to yeah. provide a solution. And so maybe when we come back, like – if we get some feedback from the art pop tarts, maybe we will have some solutions and we can hear other stories. But right now we just needed to put the thoughts that were going on in our brains into a document (laughs) and put that into a podcast. Yeah. And even, even so, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I hope that our discussion and maybe you might take it as kind of a rant I I hope that it at least encourages people to talk about that in-between area because the in-between of quote-unquote switching fields, changing up your career, it's not okay, but it's something that I am trying to work through and I think that a lot of other people must be going through the same thing because we're seeing it everywhere, right? Millennials, Gen Zers are quitting their jobs to work on a farm and we're doing this and you're quitting to move here and we're really taking stock of what we want out of life. And while all of that is true and great and I hope it is working for the better, working in favor of people's livelihoods, this in-between spot sucks. Mm -hmm. And that's what we kind of wanted to – that's what I needed to get out of of – sitting here today. So Gianna, I don't want to end in sad girl town. I would like to leave and go to Greece with you. (laughs) So can you just tell us a little bit more about what's happening with you these next few weeks? And then we'll give a programming update for our schedule. Yeah. So um, I leave tomorrow, but I'm actually flying into Philly. I'm going to see the fam for a little bit and then I'm going to go to New York and then I'm going to go to Greece. So it's a whole (laughs) planes, trains and automobiles situation. (laughs) Um, but I'm going with cousin of APT Juliana Porro and aunt of APT Rita Martucci. Um, so that'll be really fun and lovely and I'm super excited. Um, and honestly, I just really like this trip was supposed to happen, um, when I graduated and, you know, I'm honestly very glad that it got postponed because health wise, like I just wouldn't Mm -hmm. have been able to enjoy it. I don't think it would be great. I think also, just because for the sake of sharing more mental health updates, this trip is kind of like a big deal for me just because it's the first time I'll be traveling abroad with a pre-existing condition. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit like, 
ah, like nervous about it, mm-hmm. but I'm also like think it's going to be good and I'm not worried worried about it. It's just a milestone for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I'll say about that. But, you know, when we get back, I have a great episode already kind of worked out for you guys about some of the spots that I'll be hitting up um in Athens and in Santorini and in Crete. So, I'm so um, jealous you're going to Crete. I just please take all the pictures of the palace at Knossos. Like, yeah. I'm so jealous that you're going to be in Crete. <sighs> yeah, and then um also I'm going to the off season, folks. So, it's going to be a little chilly, so this will be the historical educational trip that, you know, like our parents thought we went on in college. You know what I mean? This is this is the trip that Rick Steves is going to give you. Hey, I watched the Rick Steves. Oh, I know video. you did. Because we watched Rick Steves before we went I on our trip. I fucking love Rick Steves. He just, oh, what a wholesome, beautiful human being. I just <laughs> love him so much. I love his voice. Everything yeah. about him. He brings me so much joy. Hi. I'm Rick Steves. I'm so cute. If you guys are having a bad day after this, go put on some Rick Steves. It's on Hulu. Oh, I might do that. You oh, should that do it. Nice. That sounds lovely. Gianna, quick question for you. Are you going to be able to share videos, Instagrams? Are you going to update your story for APT while you're on the trip? Because I'm just going to say for myself, I would appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, I will take some cute photos for you guys if you want to follow me on Instagram. Um, but then, you know, I might post some cute and little like historical updates for you. Um, I do want to talk about when we get back in Santorini, the very Pinteresty. Um, photo that everybody takes with the three blue domes, which are mm-hmm. actually um, facades of some churches. So I'll be excited to kind of talk about that like social yeah. media moment and like the history behind yes. it. But I will take that picture and I will be oh, like, I did. stay tuned. Did you take it? I was going to ask you. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. We also, when we were there at the three blue domes, we saw a wedding take place oh and there was God. a couple on top of one of the blue domes and this bride and her gorgeous dress which you know we may also be talking about whenever we come back as well yeah um so for programming updates next week on march 8th we are going to be off we are counting it as spring break Woo woo! (laughs) so no episode next tuesday march 8th then on march 15th, Gianna will have just gotten back from her trip. So we are going to release an episode, but is it is going to be a reissue of a previous episode, something to celebrate Women's History Month. Happy Women's History Month, everyone. So maybe you've heard that episode before, maybe you're a new listener, and it'll be a nice opportunity for you to revisit some old content. So we will be back with a brand new episode on March 22nd when Gianna is back and we are going to talk about all things Greece trip. It will be a Rick Steves episode for the books. Um, Stay tuned on APT. Gianna's going to, like she said, be posting a few updates from Greece. So we'll be able to see a little bit of her travels there. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you, Gianna. Thank you for letting me work through some of my feelings live on air. It it really means a lot to me, and if any of you are going through the same thing, please reach out. I would love to just sit down and connect with you. 
I would love to do interview prep with you. I would love to swap resumes with people, look at cover letters. That is something that the women last night who I met with offered, you know, without a doubt, just doing these incredible kind things. And I want to reciprocate that. I know that is what APT is built off of, supporting each other, supporting people who are in a similar place. And um, so just let me know if you if you want to talk, if you have thoughts, if you have thoughts about this episode, let us know. Email us at artpoptalk at gmail.com. DM us on social media at artpoptalk. And with that, Gianna, have an amazing vacation. It is so deserved. You have worked so hard and I'm so excited to, to hear all about your trip. No episode next week, a reissue on the 15th and we will be back on Tuesday, March 22nd. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Art Pop Talk's executive producers are me, Bianca Martucci-Fink. And me, Gianna Martucci-Fink. Music and sounds are by Josh Turner and photography is by Adrian Turner. And our graphic designer is Sid Hammond.